Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from the Gospel reading from Luke chapter 1. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Emmanuel, we thank you for your blessings of peace and joy in this season. Help us to listen to your call and share your good news. As we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. In the Gospel reading, we heard this. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It's our text. Christmas is a pretty fun, fun time of the year, isn't it? Uh, so many wonderful things happen at Christmas time. There, there are the cards and the, the gifts. There are the family gatherings. There, there are the parties. There's the visiting. It's going to grandparents or parents or brothers or sisters. There are the Christmas carols that are only heard at this time of the year. Although this year, uh, those gatherings together might be a little bit more limited to the virus and to fear. Overall, it is certainly a happy time and a fun time of the year, isn't it? But there's also a serious side to Christmas, the side that really makes the celebration meaningful, the side that was promised uh, uh, thousands of years ago to Adam and Eve, to King David, to the prophets, to the people of Israel. Uh, centuries before the birth of Jesus, God had promised evil would be defeated. God promised that there be a time of lasting peace and hope and joy and love. God promised that a king would be born, uh, a different king, an everlasting king who would rule people with justice and truth, a, a king like David, but better, a king who would look after the poor, give justice to the widow and the orphan, a king who would really correct the problem of sin. And so God had a plan. He had a plan that would establish his kingdom, a kingdom that would last forever, a plan that was recorded all throughout the Old Testament and goes back to the Garden of Eden when sin first entered the world because it really was a, a great plan, a grand and gracious plan, a plan that was there to rescue all of humanity from sin and death, a plan that was centuries in the making, a plan like no other plan ever existed in the world. So why on earth did God choose Mary to be part of this grand plan? She wasn't married, an especially big problem in those days. We don't know much about her family, her pedigree, if you will. Chances are she was pretty young. Some say as young as 15 or 16. I've read others that say even younger. In spite of her age, God chooses not to consult her parents. He goes straight to Mary. She and her family lived in an out-of-the-way corner of the Roman Empire, a corner that was constantly rebelling against the Roman rule and experienced its fair share of bloodshed in those years. We know that Mary was engaged to Joseph, a local carpenter. He was a humble man, 
a faithful man. He had one thing going for him. He was a descendant of King David, and that was very important. She was a cousin to Elizabeth. Elizabeth was married to a priest, but at this point, that's about all we know about Mary. God certainly didn't choose her because of her standing in society. In hindsight, we see that as young as she was, she had an adult maturity about her. When the angel Gabriel appears to her, uh, she listens intently to what the angel says, and, and while she questions it, she bows to God's wisdom. She doesn't panic. She believes that with human beings, a lot of things just don't make sense. But with God, anything and everything is possible. Now, we will gonna, we'll learn a little bit more about Mary later in the gospel, but at this point, there's really no reason that seems to stand out as to why she was chosen to carry God's Son, the promised Savior. Now, if you and I, if, if you had a grand plan to save all of humanity, you might have an, another idea about how the Savior would enter into the world, right? Maybe you would plan a, a much grander entrance, uh, one we read about when Jesus comes in glory, you, you know, with, with all the trumpets blasting, the, the shouts of welcome, the, the coming in the clouds, and showing to be unmistakably the king of the universe. I really don't know why God chose to do it the way that he did. Sure, it fulfilled some of the Old Testament prophecies, but did it have to be this girl? This way, with these circumstances? But that's the way God chose to do it. When God became involved in Mary's life, things got a little complicated for her. When God became involved in Mary's life, an unmarried girl, what's more, a, a betrothed unmarried girl, was about to become a betrothed unmarried mother. When God acted in Mary's life, she was exposed to all kinds of things, from innuendo to gossip to rumor-mongering, especially as she claimed that she was still a virgin. When God acted in her life, her relationship with Joseph was strained. When God acted in Mary's life, his child began to grow and all the possibilities that a pregnancy can bring. Uh, it's the possibility of not making it full term, the possibility of something going wrong, uh, Mary or the child dying at birth, something far more common in that day than today. When God became involved in Mary's life, there were new realities, weren't there, <laughs> with pregnancy? There was the morning sickness, the feeling of a, that expanding belly, the, the pain of childbirth becomes a reality. But then there's the other side of God becoming involved in Mary's life. We don't hear a lot about it in the Bible, but we can assume from the role that other mothers play in the lives of their children that, that God brought her, a Mary, a great deal of pleasure. When God became involved in Mary's life, there was the joy the enthusiasm, the exhilaration, the wonder that's associated with childbirth. When, when he became involved in her life, she, she fed and she nourished her child. She put him to bed at night, sang him lullabies, attended his bruises and sores. When she and Joseph named him Jesus, the Lord saves, the rescuer, deliverer, savior. Did she have any idea what pain would pierce her heart as she watched her son die on the cross? Would she know what joy 
he would bring to millions of people through the ages. When the angel Gabriel announced to her that she was greatly blessed or, or highly favored, Luke gives us an indication of Mary's reaction. He tells us that she was deeply troubled. Other translations say perplexed or puzzled or bewildered by the sudden appearance of this angel and his opening words. What Gabriel was about to tell her was even more perplexing, right? More uh, uh, deeply troubling because he was not very skilled at breaking news gently. Instead, he just sort of gets right to the point. This young teenager is going to conceive through the power of the Holy Spirit. She would give birth to a son, and her son would be the promised king, the Messiah, God's own son. And now, I don't know about you, but that kind of announcement would knock anyone's socks off. How is this sort of thing possible, she asks, when you're a virgin? It's no wonder Mary is deeply troubled. Now, I, I don't know if Mary thought about it at this time, but Gabriel's telling her that the, the, the immense God of the universe is going to reduce himself to a, a growing fetus in her womb. God's choosing to be a child. Do you have brothers and sisters, cousins and uncles and aunts and grandparents. God's choosing to be subject to human rulers and authorities to live in uncertain times, not only politically, but economically. God's choosing to become a child, to grow up in Nazareth, to live the same humble, ordinary, down-to-earth kind of life as his parents. God's choosing to place the Messiah, the Savior, into the hands of this teenager to feed and care for his every need. That's pretty hard to grasp. Why would God do such a thing? I don't know why God chose Mary. Was it a, a random pick? Was it a stab in the dark? Was it, or is there something that we're missing here? Well, if you read the scriptures, you know that God often does this sort of thing, doesn't he? I mean, he picks the most unlikely people to carry out the most important tasks. He gets involved with the ordinary. I mean, he has the powerful, the influential, the, the wealthiest, the most famous and gifted to choose from. And who does he choose? <laughs> An ordinary person? I mean, you think back to Jesus' descendant David, uh, when, when, uh, when choosing the king, you remember all the handsome brothers lined up to be chosen as the next king. God instructed Samuel not to choose any of them, but rather choose that younger brother who was taking care of the sheep. When the people, uh, who were the people that Jesus called to be his disciples? They were fishermen and tax collectors, a thief, a, a zealot, nothing here but the ordinary, right? Think about the first people told about Jesus' birth. Out in the fields that night, the ordinary plain folk who looked after the sheep at Bethlehem. But does God still do that sort of thing today? Would God consider you to be a vehicle uh, uh, to share God's message with the world? 
Is it possible that God could come to you just like he did to Joseph and to Mary and ask you to do something that is considered way out there? Kind of crazy. And we can offer a lot of reasons why it's a silly idea. We're too old, we're too young, we're too busy. Why me? It's a good question. Why me? In some way, things haven't changed at all, have they? God actually does choose you. Not because of your position in society, not because you impress him in any particular way. He chooses you to be a vehicle for Jesus to come into the world, to come into your world, into your life with all of its relationships, into your work and family, your friends and activities, your thinking, your speaking, and your doing. Now, by the way, God has heard all the excuses before. He heard it from Moses. He heard it from uh, Jonah. He heard it from Jeremiah, who they, they all complained, I can't do that. I'm a nobody. I don't like your plan. I'm too young. But he hears the protest, but he doesn't stop him from choosing you. And if you think you're just ordinary, then maybe that's exactly why he chooses you. Because God does the extraordinary through the ordinary. Think about it. Through you, Jesus comes into people's lives in this modern uh, 21st century. He doesn't expect you to make a big splash. He, he doesn't expect you to be an instant success, an overnight wonder. I, Jesus wasn't. He was a baby helpless and reliant on others. Growing up as, uh, as a nobody in Nazareth, a uh, son of a humble carpenter, know very little about his life in Nazareth. But as Jesus grow, grew, he began to speak and to teach, to preach and, and share the message of God with people. Reaching out a hand to accept and heal and forgive. And, and bit by bit, he made a difference. Now, reality check, you and I are not Jesus, we're not God. But we've been chosen by God. Chosen to share his message with other people. We may not have all the answers. We may not have all the skills right now. But for some unknown reason, God comes to you and to me, and he chooses us to bear the message of Jesus into this world. Mary could not fathom her part in all this. But the angel reassured her, there's nothing God cannot do. And that's still true today. There's nothing God cannot do. And sometimes he chooses the most surprising way of all. He chooses to use you. Chooses you for the same reason he chose Mary, the disciples, and everyone else. He wants the world to know of his great love for all people. He wants you and me to be bearers of good news, of uh, bearing that news of comfort and hope and, and joy to anyone who needs to hear about God's love for them in their circumstances. And also the news of his willingness to forgive any and every sin. He wants you and me to experience ourselves for ourselves Mary's experience that, that in every situation he truly is our Emmanuel, God with us, as we share the 
good news that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and King. Why Mary? <laughs> Why you and me? Why not? Let's go forth with the confidence that Emmanuel is always with us and let us share his good news. Amen. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.